0: Why don't you go ahead and have a seat this morning? I want to welcome you. Uh, if you're a guest with us, my name's Andrew, uh, pastor, pastor Andrew, and I'm also kind of a guest. I'm getting uh, to know the lay of the land here. I'm the new pastor here at Christ Church, and I welcome you this morning. Uh, if I haven't had a got get a chance to know you yet, if you're a guest or even a longtime member, and I haven't had a chance to shake your hand, please grab me between the services. I want to get to know you, um, and I'm excited to do so. Um, you know, I have to say, it's kind of humbling. Uh, Pastor Bob is, is off and, and enjoying and resting and recuperating. And so the last two sermons that he preached were in this, this sermon series on miracles, right? And so the last two miracles that we've spent time looking at with Pastor Bob was the miracle of water into wine. That was one of them. And then also a miracle where Jesus heals someone at a pool, a paralytic man who he heals at a pool. And I, uh, uh, you know, it was kind of humbled when Pastor Bob sat me down in his office. He brought me into the office. He said, so Andrew, Pastor Andrew, here... You're know you going to be preaching this coming Sunday, and I want you to preach on this. I want you to preach on demonic forces, uh, the casting out of demons and evil, um, and so have fun with that. (laughs) And I thought, wow, God has a sense of humor. Um, Okay, we're going to roll with it. So this morning, we are going to acknowledge the challenge and the reality that evil is a part of our world, and we're not going to be afraid to talk about it. It is part of our world. It is part of our lives. is part of the scriptures, it's part of our story. And so this morning, we are going to spend time looking at one of Jesus' miracles where he casts out evil spirits. A little backstory for you. The, the, the text that we're going to get to is in Matthew chapter 8. But the first part of Matthew, as Phil mentioned, Matthew is in the New Testament. It's a story about Jesus' life. If you have a Bible and you don't know where to look, uh, reference your table of comp- contents. That'll tell you where to look. The first seven chapters of Matthew uh, have to do with his, his, Jesus' birth and, and the beginning of his ministry. And then once you get into chapters 5, 6, 7, he has this really famous uh, preaching, this really famous teaching some of you might have heard it before. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. Okay, so some of you have heard of this, right? It's called the Sermon on the Mount. Yep. And uh, it's amazing that Jesus shows that he has authority over the Jewish Holy Scriptures. His insight, his, his teaching, it astonishes the people. And we can see that in chapter 7, and, and verse 28. It says, when Jesus finished these sayings, that is the Sermon on the Mount, "...the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority, not as one of the scribes." And so what's important about walking into Matthew 8 is that we've had Jesus' birth, and now we learn that Jesus has authority in relationship to the Jewish Holy Scriptures. This is big. This is important. But we really haven't seen any major miracles by Jesus Before chapter 8. Once we get into chapter 8, well, then all of a sudden, we start seeing miracles. Jesus not only has authority over Jewish scriptures, he not only has knowledge and authority over Jewish holy writings, but he also has authority in this world to heal and to calm storms. In chapter 8, the first uh, 27 verses, there's Jesus heals... um, He heals a leper, someone struck with leprosy, a disease. He heals another person who's close to death. He heals a disciple's mother. And then he even calms a storm that the disciples are out on a lake, they're out on a boat, and Jesus calms a storm. And so the beginning of chapter 8 shows that Jesus has not only authority over uh, Jewish scriptures, but also authority over sickness and disease and authority over nature. The reason this is important is because going into today's lesson, the disciples and us, we're asking, you know, what else is under Jesus' authority? What else is under Jesus' authority? That is the big question for today. What else is under Jesus' authority? And quite frankly, how is he going to use it? (laughs) How is he going to use it? Here's the text for today. Matthew chapter 28 starting, excuse me, 8, starting at the 28th verse. When he came to the other side, to the country of the Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men met him, that is Jesus, met him coming out of tombs. They were so fierce that no one could pass that way. And behold, they cried out, What have you to do with us, O son of God? Are you here to torment us before the time? Now a herd of many pigs was feeding at some distance from them. The demons begged him, saying, If you cast us out, send us away into the herd of the pigs. And so he said to them, Go. So they came out, and they went into the pigs. Behold, the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the waters. The herdsmen fled, and going into the city, they told everything to everyone, especially what had happened to the demon-possessed men. And behold, all the city came out to meet Jesus. When they saw him, they begged him to leave their region. This is a really powerful story where we find Jesus Christ confronting uh, evil, and specifically demons i got to share a personal story with you. I was a, a canoe guide up in the Boundary Waters Canoe Area Wilderness. Some of you know that. So I took, we, we had a group up there just not long ago. If you're thinking of going, this is my plug. It's awesome. Go. It's fantastic. Um, you'll love it. But uh, when I was a guide there, I used to take young people and adults out on these trips. And there was one trip where I took a group of young people and one other adult male. Now, this adult male is about 6'5", just huge strong, buff tattoos. He's got a nice-looking nice man in his probably mid-50s. Very sharp, very good-looking, strong, a little intimidating even, but a very easygoing personality. And as we're sitting around the campfire, all of us are sitting around the campfire, and I, I start the first night, and I say, you know what, what do you want to get out of this trip? What are you looking to get out of this trip? And so the kids are like, you know, I want to make new friends, and I want to swim in a waterfall, and all these great things. But then it came to the, to the gentleman. And when I looked at him, I said, what do you hope to get out of this trip? He looked at me, dead in the face, and he said, I'm here to exercise some demons. Now, at first I laughed, because I thought he was joking. And then panic set in, because I realized he was not joking. And I thought to myself, we have not gone over that in seminary yet. I do not have, everyone take a deep breath, just whoa, whoa. You know, I'm thinking, okay. You know, I'm thinking, where's the nearest Bible? We've got to start get going on this, right? I'm really intimidated. Now, fortunately, I didn't open my mouth. Nothing came out. I'm just thinking all of this. And I didn't need to because he began to fill in the, the space. He began to tell me about his life. Fascinating story. When he was 22 years old, he became CEO of a major company and started earning on the high side of six digits. Six digits, well into six digits very very affluent very very powerful individual he ended up marrying a supermodel a couple of years later had children got involved in this party lifestyle got going with this affluent lifestyle and really was he as he put it everything that he touched quote turned to gold i still remember that he looked at me said everything i touched it turned to gold I mean he had success as much as success could be had in according with the world right and so he kind of fell deeper and deeper into this lifestyle and into what he was doing and then all of a sudden as he grew older he began to realize that some of the things involved in his life were not good but were in fact evil you see he had an affair and his affair led to a divorce and he lost custody of his children. He lost his job. He was fired from his job. He was without a job for a a couple months, then he was rehired. He was hired and then fired five times in 16 months. Wrap your mind around that. Five times in 16 months where he was hired and fired as CEO of companies. He realized he had a drinking problem, that he was an alcoholic. when he told me that he had to exercise some demons, I think what he was saying is, I, I no longer have possession over my life. There, is so, there are areas in our life, I mean, there are areas in our life when evil gets involved in our lives where it possesses us. It takes over. And all of a sudden we look around and we feel captured and possessed. There are areas of our life where evil has the control. And that was what he was speaking to. That evil was real, and it had control of his life. This is a really important part of today, acknowledging that evil is real. The world stinks at this. The world is terrible at this. We, we, the world will rationalize, we will intellectualize evil away. In fact, we even make caricatures of evil, right? Okay, so when I say, like, the devil, you probably picture a little guy, and he's got, like, pointy ears, and what color is he? Red. And what is he holding? The pitchfork, right? So we do this. We caricaturize evil so it's a little easier to deal with, right? And then sometimes we even glamorize evil. Do you know that? Yeah. We glamorize evil. Have you noticed how many vampire movies there are? Oh, that hunky Edward. Oh, yeah, some of the girls are like, yeah, he is a hunk. You know what I'm talking about. Twilight, right? We glamorize. We glamorize evil, and we try to not deal with it because we don't know how to deal with it. It doesn't take much to look at our lives and to look at our world and acknowledge that evil is a reality that we have to deal with In our everyday life, and perhaps like this gentleman, there are parts or areas in your life where you feel possessed or captivated by the by evil's power, evil thoughts, evil behaviors, evil patterns that are ingrained in your life, and you feel like you just can't get rid of them. That's what happens. That's what evil does. I mean. In the scriptures, these two men are so consumed with evil patterns, evil thoughts, evil behaviors, that there are actually incarnate evil beings dwelling bodily inside of them. That is full demonic possession. It's important that as we go forward, we need to acknowledge the fact that evil is real, that demons are loose in this world, and that you and I... We have contact with evil every day on a daily basis. Going back to the text. When he came to the other side, to the country of Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men met him. Two men whose lives were so completely, so completely submissive to the evil in this world. A couple things I just want to stop real quickly, too, and note the country of the Gadarenes now, Gadarenes was, a, was an area in, in the ancient world uh, near Galilee or the Sea of Galilee. So if you're familiar with that territory, it's an area that is uh, actually foreign territory. This is non-Jewish land. Now, Jesus is a good Jewish boy, and he is going to foreign territory. Jesus is going to Gentile territory. The Bible uses that word, means non-Jewish The country of the Gadarenes is across the lake from Jewish homes and Jewish synagogues and a Jewish way of life. And that's where Jesus is going, into enemy territory. The city of the Gadarenes was under Hellenistic influence and worshipped Greek gods. Greek gods. Not the God of the Old Testament, not the God of the Jews that we find, right? And that we as Christians also believe in. No, no, no. This was was a city dedicated to Greek religion and spirituality. This is foreign territory. This is enemy territory. This is a place where evil has a good grip. Even more so, do you notice in the text, where does Jesus go... In this evil foreign territory, where does he go? To tombs, where violent men reside. Oh, deeply symbolic. Do you notice that? Tombs? What, I mean, just from, from that in and of itself, what can we find here? Where do the, these two demon-possessed men in foreign evil territory, where are they most at home? Among tombs. Among death. This is important for us to know, and that is, as Christians, we can acknowledge evil is most at home, is most comfortable, and results in death. You've probably experienced that in your lives. Can you think of a time where you've had an evil experience, where something evil leapt out of you, and it broke down, and it destroyed, and it killed a relationship? Right? It, it, it results in death. That's where evil is most comfortable and most at home, among tombs. I find it fascinating that this is where Jesus goes. I don't expect Jesus to go across the lake to enemy territory to where two demon-possessed men meet him, men who are so violent that no one can pass that way and who live among tombs in, in evil's territory. This is actually good news. This is really good news for you and me. Because what it's telling us is that Jesus is not afraid to go where evil resides. Jesus Christ is not afraid to go where evil resides. So often we have like this image of Jesus as this tame just very gentle, very nice. He's always got like really nicely manicured hair, and he's he's just a very nice, passive Jesus, right? This is not the picture that we get here in this text. This is grizzly Jesus who's, who, who has woken up and he has set his jaw and he's looking across the lake and he says, You see the enemy territory? You see the foreign territory that's that's controlled by evil? I'm not afraid. I'm going there. This is Rambo Jesus. Seriously. We have this such image of Jesus who's just this, this nice guy and he's, he's tame and he's quiet and he's passive. Here we see Jesus who is willing to say, you see the enemy territory? I am not afraid. I am going there. And that's what he does. That's what he does. The reason that he has such confidence the reason that he can go there with such confidence, such boldness, the reason he can say, I'm not afraid, I'm going there, is because Jesus Christ has authority. Not only over Jewish scriptures, he has authority not not only over sickness and disease, not only over uh, nature, Jesus Christ has authority over evil. That's big. Jesus Christ has authority over evil. I don't want to get into... We can get distracted by why does he allow evil and why does... Why do good, bad things happen to good people? That's not what I want us to focus on. That's not what I believe God wants us to hear from the text this morning. What I believe Je- Jesus wants to speak to us this morning is that are, if you have situations, if you have realities in your life where you look at your life and you think, I am, I am, there are areas of my life possessed by evil and I have no hope in that and I don't have the power to overcome that, Jesus Christ has the power and the authority to do that. Jesus Christ has authority over evil. We can see this again in the text. Go to verse 31. The demons did what? what? What did they do? You can say it. Yeah, begged him. They didn't cut a deal with him. They didn't make demands of him. They didn't try to... No, 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 no. They fell on their knees. It's in the verse previously. They fell on their knees in total submission. I mean, they know. Evil knows. Who are you, son of God? Have you come here to torment us? Evil knows that when Jesus Christ comes into enemy territory, he does so with complete power and authority. And that, that is good news for you and me. And he said to them, go so they came out with a single word Jesus Christ looks at these two demon possessed men men who are so fully uh, controlled with by the evil in their lives and Jesus says with one word he rips the evil out of their lives out of their very bodies and he says go go You have no place here. Leave these men alone. These two are mine. Evil be gone. Go. And they have no choice but to submit. So they came out. And they went into the pigs. And behold, the whole herd rushed down into the steep bank, into the sea, and they drowned in the waters. As a a side note, uh, Pigs are considered unholy or or, um, in Jewish tradition. And this is a Jewish book. Matthew is written to a Jewish community. And so there's something to be said here that um, Jesus cast...